What's up, guys? Mitch from Respect My Region back with another North American Weed Tour podcast episode, episode 36. And today we have some of the guys from Maven Genetics. We have co-owner Shane and we have their head cultivator, Chad, on the line. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing great, Mitch. Thank you so much for having us. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. So whereabouts in California do you guys kind of represent? What's what's the locale for Maven? Um, we are based out of the San Fernando Valley, Los Angeles area. Um, pretty much this, this whole area is where we kind of, uh, started the, the whole business run. And you guys have been around for quite a while, man. What's, what's the journey in cannabis been and, and kind of what phases have you seen through obviously these different shifts, shifts from medical to recreational. And I mean, pre that beyond that, what, 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 what's your guys' history with the plant? Um, you know, like, I don't know, traditionally back in the day before, uh, shops were licensed, um, used to vend to a lot of them. And then, uh, as the industry grew, it was nice to see those, uh, retails still hold their ground to get licensed to where they have, didn't have to worry about their door getting kicked in every day. Um, so, you know, just being based out of the San Fernando Valley and watching the growth of the whole industry, um, just the support of the culture and community to get the, uh, cannabis industry in the right direction. It, you know, it's been awesome watching that and the support of the culture um, just to, to get these retails licensed to have access to, uh, you know, safe, clean meds and products. Right. Right. You know, and I, I would say for me, you know, I, I grew up with uh, uh, two older brothers and they used to smoke, smoke weed back in the day. And uh, you know, one was a Hesher and he was, I was always around it. So he kind of saw it, but, around alcohol too and never really took to alcohol and you know it's kind of my outlet uh uh, didn't really start growing at first you know tried to do the loft thing and then uh kind of fell in love with the plant and fell in love with uh how it how it can uh uh, uh, the medical side of it how it can alleviate stress or how you can focus and a lot for me was that thing that that was my outlet my outlet was to smoke some some bud at parties, not drink. And, uh, I felt in control, you know, more than not doing the other stuff. So yeah, it's, it kind of, it it saved me from going into a bad path, I would say. Awesome, man. And that's, that's a beautiful thing about, you know, cannabis, I think has been so many things for so many people. Um, and like, like you said, Shane, it's exciting to see the industry come to a, this point of legalization. Some people are all about it, all on board. Oh, we just had Chad probably drop out due to service. Hop back on here in a minute. Yeah, yeah, but you know, people people have been coming to this plant, and 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 the recreation and legalization is bringing a lot of these cool aspects. You know that you know honestly, the thing that me and you can talk on the internet so freely about, you know, the the growth and the commerce of cannabis. Um, you know, there definitely was a time where that was not happening. Absolutely, um, man. Yeah, like I, I do remember back in the day. Um, you know, just getting in, you know, when, all, when I was going to college and all my friends were cultivating and I was trying to figure out how to work an eight hour job and go to school, hmm. it was just impossible. And then me having the resources that I did, I was able to move, you know, packs back in the day. And then I got into cultivation and, and then that just kind of kept the wheel turning. And that was uh, allowing me that free time to go to school, um, cultivate when I was going to school, come back, vend, do whatever I did. And, uh, it's just been really neat watching the whole medicinal side of the cannabis industry finally be recognized and showcased 
and truly have a purpose versus like the old stigma of where it came from. You know, it's, right. um, it's exciting to see it moving in the right direction. I, I feel like it's still very new. And um, I, I look forward to everything that's ahead for everyone that's uh, pursuing this uh, industry. And it, it's, it's got to be a trip too to, to come from that past where you're, you know, probably hustling packs to, you know, have the, the ability to cultivate and, and go to school. And now you can go to school to learn how to cultivate, man. It's I know. I think it's awesome, man. I, I think way back in the day, like if I really think back, there was a Oaksterdam. And right. I used to know a gentleman from there. I, I think they're still around. Um, but uh, yeah, man, that was like one of the first educational schools I remember. And I'm sure there's plenty more now. But uh, when I saw that happening, they were teaching the craft of cultivation and education about the plant. I was like, holy shit, man, this is uh, it's, it's going in the right direction. It was really neat to see. Times are times are changing. Um, you know, so I know something that you guys have really been known for over, over at your grow is really like breeding, correct? Maven has been kind of on the forefront of of breeding. Do you how do you guys approach selecting genetics or breeding genetics? Like what what goes into that process? So that was why I really wanted to have Chad on the show, okay. being director of cultivation. Um, I'm I'm hoping he pops back on here. I'm gonna try to shoot him a message. Um, you know. I, I really like to give credit and voice to everyone in, in every department that works with us uh, because without them, this whole thing doesn't rotate as smoothly as it does. So um, I'm going to try to shoot chat a text because I really prefer to have his voice sure. um, represent like that strong side of, uh, of the company. And um, let me, uh, give me think, one second. Sorry to be doing this. Right no, everything. Let me see here. Sorry. It's 2021, man. The the uh, right. the uh, service and being at the mercy of service and and tech is uh you know brings us together and pulls us apart. <laughs> all right. Sorry about that. You guys can edit all this shit, right? <laughs> no worries. We we can cut it. Yeah. All right. Cool. But yeah, man, I'm stoked that you guys reached out. Um, you know, podcasts for me and just being visible, you know, I'm visible out in, in obviously for the, the growth of the company and the brand, because I'm always out and about um, doing this. But, and to be on camera and having that voice is something definitely different for me. And, sure. uh, you know, it, it's cool. It takes some getting used to. And, uh, you know, it's just awesome to, you know, have this type of voice where hopefully other people could uh, recognize us and kind of hear what we're about as a company. hundred percent, hundred percent. Let me see here. Yeah. It looks like Chad's phone died. So I'm going to call his partner and, um, sorry about this, man. This is like, no way. And, and then I, you know, I'm pretty sure I could answer a couple of questions regarding that. You know, I just wanted Chad to have that voice. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I respect it. Not, not here, not here. It's, it's all good. We could, we could talk, we could come back to the breeding, right? Cause we got more to talk about. So, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, it looks like Chad's phone died. Um, so I'm sure he'll chime in here in a second. He's a dad yeah. of, uh, three young girls. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. 
Um, he's got a lot on his plate, but uh, yeah, let's let's just run it, man. Whatever else I could answer, and we can move forward. And most, I'm sure he'll tap in here soon. Yeah, most certainly. So I'd I'd love to kind of talk about the origin of Maven Genetics as a company, right? We talked a little bit about the history, but yeah, if if you could just kind of give me the the insight of like when did Maven Genetics come together as a company and start owning that name? So, you know, as, as my partners were um, cultivating and warehouses and whatnot back in the day. Uh, like I said, I was vending to a lot of the shops from, you know, all the San Fernando Valley throughout Los Angeles, you know, wherever there was uh, uh, retail, you know, back then. Um, I was building a lot of relationships with those individuals. And then I remember, uh, you know, our a lot of our OGs, because we were growing a lot of OGs in the pre-98 Bubba back then. Mm. You know, this is back in the day when you're getting 7,200 a pound. Um, <laughs> this is when there was no competition. And uh, OGs were like real OGs. They weren't crossed with anything or um, I don't know. They were just way more true to strain when Kush was Kush. And the, yeah. and the OG, the PK, um, it just really shined. And I think uh, I really like to thank Exhibit when he had that song come out back in the day and he was like Kush 500 an ounce. Um, I don't know. I think all of us in the industry at that time were like, wow, man, like this is some special movement. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with, with my partners growing in the warehouses and, and outlets that I had and they had, I just started seeing um, people submitting some of the strains that we grew uh, towards like uh, cannabis cups or contests and whatnot. Um, I think uh, some friends of ours called it the, uh, the Saturn OG. It was called the Saturn. Hmm. And the, they were winning awards and, and other people were submitting product that we grew and getting awards. And this is back in the day, you know, when the retails had uh, jars, chopsticks and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, you could actually see the bud that you're buying and engage with it versus nowadays you have these shitty bud pods. Um, so, you know, after seeing people doing this branding, whether it was on a, a bulk jar or um, what, there was like a name that was being recognized. And then uh, I think our friends, um, you know, from Vader Extracts and like Dr. K that does Kushstock. Um, you know, watching them do their branding and just being around that, um, you know, when it, when it came down to us brainstorming, I, I felt like there's like a ritual when you really appreciate quality, right? You do this mm -hmm. pinch and smell test and there's this ritual. Um, I feel like people that do that are kind of connoisseurs because you're really paying attention to the quality of the product that you're engaging with. Mm -hmm. um, when it came to Maven, um, I was just looking, trying to be influenced, running ideas by my partners. Um, and what it really came down to is there's a connoisseur level um, of craft cultivation and, and being very particular on, on how you grow and making sure that you put quality out to the marketplace. We were never guys that just grew to, to cultivate cannabis. We were very particular on our quality. I saw the term connoisseurs butchered you know, everyone was a connoisseur. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I think the group and I really wanted to look at something that was a little bit more on the discreet side. So at the end of the day, um, Maven means connoisseurs, but it's Yiddish. And it means uh, experts in a specific field, uh, ones of knowledge or connoisseurs. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of liked that because it wasn't so in your face. And we wanted to curate a logo that we felt was, you know, hopefully timeless that we could um, continue to elaborate on and just uh, present uh, a nice presentation with a good quality product inside. Awesome. And so 
you know, with, with the state of cannabis right now, there's a lot of the race to the bottom, you know, in pricing and along with that, the, the quality, um, you know, I've talked to a couple of people and, and there's a, this guy, David Abernathy, who we talked about how cannabis and you know, like wine, a couple of these consumer sectors have like culture connoisseurship to touch on what you're talking about. Where do you, where do you envision or where do you kind of see that role of the connoisseur in the cannabis market? Cause clearly the bulk of volume goes to low barrel, but it clearly still drives the culture, you know, that connoisseur market. So where, where do you kind of see that? And what's, what do you feel like that impact on the rest of the market they have? Um, so regarding like quality, first off, um, I see a lot of great flour coming out from a lot of good companies as this industry grows and, and new strains. And just like, I, I see this like quality and, and innovation really getting fine tuned and getting much better to where like, there's not just so few companies putting out quality. Um, so that's exciting to see because I appreciate everyone that does cultivation because I know how, how hard it is. Um, it's, it's definitely not an easy job. And like, I really do take my hat off to like a, a lot of those great cultivators out there, whether it's like on a boutique style or boutique scale, um, even to the big boys that are out there doing huge operations. Um, so I, I would like to see more of the quality aspect uh, thrive because I mean, you could always have, I don't know, I, I could use alcohol in a terms like your Budweiser or you could have like your craft beers, you know, mm -hmm. like your, your stone. Um, so I, I like to see everyone kind of win together. Uh, when you get to the whole concept of the race to the bottom, yeah, like absolutely. I feel like there's been a lot of people that um, have been wanting to get into this industry for a long time, but we're still kind of shy because of the whole stigma of, of everything. Um, I, I feel like uh, not having an outlet with the abundance of cultivation going on and everyone just kind of like looking at money, rubbing their hands together, thinking they're going to hit it big by going big. Um, I just don't really feel like that was the right approach. Uh, and I feel like that is the very beginning uh, race to the bottom. Like to, to be frank, it's like everyone wants to have the bigger dick and mm -hmm. for me it was just like you guys could win and have it who cares like let's just try to figure out how to put quality out to the industry so i don't know not to get off tangents but like there's a lot of large cultivations going on and with that and no outlets everyone's scrambling to try to get rid of their product at the cheapest price right. just to redeem some financial gains back and if that's not happening it's going straight into manufacturing so that's dropping the price of distillate like pretty much everything across the board. And I think it's super sad to see because uh, these farmers work their ass off. Like if you've ever been to a good cultivation, right? it's hard work. And I think these farmers should definitely get paid uh, what they're worth and maintain a value to cannabis. And so how much square feet are you guys operating with at your, at your facility? Shit, man. Um, I know we have three facilities. Uh, we just uh, got 11 acres up in Santa Barbara. Um, square footage is something I don't know off the top of my head, but between our three facilities, we have roughly over 1400 lights indoor okay, right wow. now. And, uh, we have, um, potential, you know, for a piece of dirt that we've been sitting on for quite some time up in Greenfield. Um, you know, being a self-funded group, we kind of have to scale within our means. Yeah. And, uh, I think in the future here, we have potential to do, uh, we have the plans for it. We've been really sitting on this for about seven years. Uh, we have a potential to do another 1,200 uh, out of one facility. 
I think we got we got hey guys. Chad back. What's going on, man? Perfect timing, Chad. Thank you for cutting <laughs> out right 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 there. getting into the cultivation question. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I asked a question, man. You left him hanging. He dropped the dime, bro, and you just had to lay it up. But you know, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. <laughs> what was that question? Yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, I know you guys are, are into breeding. So I was really curious about what is the, the ethos and the process that goes into what strains you select, how you approach breeding and, and what, what, what's the process of what strains you go after and what strains you end up putting on the market? Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we have a couple strains that we've had for a long time that we're breeding into right now. Um, our selection process uh, it's a lot to do with the, uh, we listen to a lot of people as far as like what breeders to go after. Um, we, we pop a lot of seeds, a ton of seeds. Um, and through those seeds, you know, we'll find keepers of females and males and uh, structure, smell, um, yield time, all of it plays a, a big role. And it's not just me, it's everybody, the whole team's in on it. You know, we, uh, we do a lot of this R&D where, where a lot of our workers will give us feedback on the stuff before it even makes it to the you know, to like maybe a small round in the, in the, in the facility. Um, but it, when we select males, I mean, we're selecting males for, for, for structure and smells and, and uh, flowering time, you know, like to breed into the, the strains we already kind of have running. Um, so, and we're looking for something from that, from that male that's through the lineage. We'll look for a certain smell or a certain color or a certain feeling uh, when you smoke it. Um, so, it's a long, long process. Stuff doesn't just happen. <laughs> like it's like year long process before anything reaches the, the consumer. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. What, it. what are you, what are some of the favorite things that you look for in genetics? I know everybody, everybody's got different things. I mean, it might be the whole package. That's not a wrong answer, but what are some of those characteristics that mean the most to you as a personal consumer? So for me, you know, the looks really isn't part of it. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times that's, you know, the consumer wants to see a pretty looking flower. But for me, the first thing is the smell. Honestly, like if it's catching my nose, um, I could care less what it looks like. Um, mm. And then, you know, obviously when you smoke it, uh, I want it to, I want it to smell good. I want to inhale that taste and I want to breathe that taste out. Um, and I, I'm really kind of picky when it comes to it now, because that's, that's what does it for me. It has the whole package and of course the, the, the feeling you get from, from the strains, you know, a lot of times, like, um, I work all the time, man. So I can't be knocked on my ass. Like I have to think, and, uh, you know, I do lean towards more of an OG kind of feeling, you know, that's been my go-to since I can remember when we first got it in. Um, but, um, you know, that, that's, what I particularly like that might not mean what most customers like that goes through, but yeah, it's, it's flavor, it's taste. That's, that's my thing. Yeah. I, I've, I found that to be common a loss, uh, across a lot of cultivators. They're like, I don't give a fuck what it looks like, yeah, but obviously yeah. the consumer, you know, like you said, if it doesn't look right in the, in the jar, you know, someone's not going to reach for it's it. It's unfortunate. Hopefully, you know, uh, it comes around where the consumer gets to try a lot of stuff and, um and you know once they taste it and smoke it they'll they'll be believers but yeah a lot has to do with with just the look 
just the aesthetics of it. Right. And, you know, we got to get people educated because back in the day, you know, your plug might drop that pack off and be like, I know right. it looks like shit, but this is yeah. this is killing on the smoke. And, you know, if that's the only selection for your clientele, they have to buy it. But usually if that's the message, those people always come back like, damn, that shit was some kill. I'm still searching for that stuff from back in the day. I have some strains that we used to just get and like, where are they? Where'd they go? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, died in a raid somewhere. Right. <laughs> It's sad. Yeah. So, you know, I, you guys have both been me mentioning the OG. I have to ask a question because of your location, the San Fernando Valley OG, SFV OG. What's your guys' history with that? Is it really like as impactful down there as, as it's imprinted on the rest of the world? Well, you know, like I didn't, these guys gave me OGs. Shane and Shane and his crew brought OG into my life. I, uh, I brought in the pre-98 Bubba back in the day and this was right around the late 90s man we had it and uh that was that was the strain back then and then when i got hit with the og i just i never looked back on that it, it was the one that did it for me i mean i could smoke it uh i i smoked it all through college you know like take my test was ready to go it didn't you know it, it it did it for me so it's it's something that i'm just constantly like it, i feel great on it you know, that, yeah. that's kind of my my thing. And what what about you, Shane? What's what's your experience with the with the SFV OG and, and just the history of that area and the, and the OG Kush? I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. I miss those days, man. I just like <laughs> the, like the real PK Kush. The PK. Um, the PK, bro. At its peak, man, was just like the best like OG, the smell, the structure. It was just like it's it was such a beautiful strain um the, the legend out there josh d man like uh he's he's part of the family tree and and uh he's definitely had a lot to do with uh with that name and um and just everything that 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 strain had to offer to the whole san fernando valley and the quality and the hype and what it just really uh i don't know it's just a very special strain and i think the la market and and san fernando valley is uh the og is king I mean, over over twenty years later, we're still talking about it, man. You know, um, something and special happened. Yeah, Bro, as a, yeah, I'm a consumer. That you know, as far as a consumer, I live in Washington. I spend a lot of time in California, but that's one of my favorite things about California is like you guys got so many good selections of OGs. Like, I feel like I don't know up here, it, it's very rare to see it. If someone does do OG Kush, it's almost guaranteed it's going to be some some whack. You know. Um, but you guys got so many selections of, of good Kush out there. The, the first one that I hit, I, I don't know where it's, I mean, we still have our triple X and that thing that, that, that rocks it. But I remember the PK back in the day and it, it looked totally different, man. Like I used to get it in sacks and it would just reek up your car. And yeah, yeah I mean, you know, we'd buy grams back then. <laughs> it was like, and it was, it just went. So, you know, it's, you buy it all the way up five sixty an ounce yeah. that, that was the price <laughs> like, 70 bucks an eighth <laughs> dude, it didn't didn't matter dude no uh, it didn't and people were like it, it was that good of a strain that like when you smell it, really it you look at it there was no question about it it was what you wanted it was like uh mm. i don't know it was like the 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 highest highest end quality cannabis like that was really hitting the market yeah, yeah and that's something that's something we're doing now with our with our triple x we're we're breeding with our triple x you know trying to trying to bring some of that out, some of that, some of that nostalgia out that we found back then. 
And so I know you said, you know, earlier, it might take you a year to get one of those strains. How, how, how long are you willing to commit to getting a strain the way you, the as way long as it like takes, it. bro, as long <laughs> as it takes, as long as these guys will let me play around with it. Yeah. As long as it takes, man, cause it's, it's a process, but it's a fun process. And, and at the end of the day, you create something that's legendary, like an OG and you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There was one strain I had to ask you guys about. I don't know if Joey had brought it up earlier. So when we did our West coast weed tour and not even it was it last year, 2020, we reviewed a bunch of weed from up and down the West coast and you guys actually had the top scoring weed with your gelato gas. I think it was 97 and a half. I don't know if you guys saw that. I don't even think I personally got to try it. I didn't do any of the reviews. Well, I, I smoked a lot of the weed we reviewed, but I didn't physically write the reviews. But that was one of our top strains, man. Was that was that a hitter for you guys? Was that a good one? I think we got it just chance off a retail shelf somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I love that strain. I mean, it, it has it has our Skywalker OG in it. So you get that, you get that OG hit on it, and you get that gelato flavor, that cream flavor. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a beautiful strain. It, it, I think a lot of people, a lot of people loved it, you know, so it's, it's good. It's nice to hear that. That's, that was so, uh, so, so many people actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. We, like we, we, we reviewed, you know, we personally, a small group of our team reviewed over 300 products across the West coast last year. A lot of flower, no flower. I mean, no flower hits a hundred. It's very rare. Cause like we were talking about earlier, like it's very rare a flower is a 10 on 10 in every category. You we're going to get in. it, bro. We're going to get it. We're gonna uh, get yeah, it. Hey, you know, we, we welcome all challenges, but, we're, you know, we try to be real nitpicky just because and it's also a tribute to that. Right. Like some yeah. some things that you just like love might not look as good as something, you know, like I don't know, Tropicana cookies. Right. Might smell and look as good, but the highs right. lack. And so. You know, it's definitely tough for our scale for a flower to hit 100, but a 97 and a half. I mean, most good stuff is like low 90s. Like, we'll a, come down to the facility and try some yeah. of the R&D strains so we get a little better <laughs> hey, insight on that. <laughs> hey, man, if, if there's, you know, if there's an invite, I'm, I'm taking next time I'm out in L.A., man, I'm pulling up. So Absolutely, man. Yeah. So, no, that that I just wanted to let you guys know that was a, that was a big one for us. We smoke a lot of weed and um you know, we work with some companies, but we just go to a lot of dispensaries, ask what's hot, buy some stuff on the shelf and review it on some categories. And you guys definitely you guys were the top one across all three states score wise. And then wow. obviously, for the we, state we appreciate that. Where, where are you from? Where are you guys uh, located? I live in the Seattle area. Joey, who was on here earlier, lives in L has lived in L.A. for two years. But we've been doing that campaign. Yeah. We didn't do it this year, but the, the three years prior, we did events and then drove up and down just checking out facilities and just, you know, like I said, you know, some part of it's like, you know, advertising promotion with some people, but we're also consumers. So we just, you know, everywhere we go, we're buying a lot of what, well, you know, asking people what's the best, put it in the I bag know up there in there. Seattle and, and, and Oregon, you guys are hard to please. You know good weed up there. So <laughs> it, it means a lot for you to say that. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you guys, you know, California sets, sets, sets the standard for sure for the culture, but we definitely – you know, up here, been growing craft style for a long time. And Bro, I got some from back in the day from Washington, and it was like, I broke it out of the bag. It was like, I could look in the mirror. It was all shiny, you know. It's like, yeah, oh, this is a fire. <laughs> most, cer most certainly. And so, you know, another question I wanted to ask you, um, you know, it's a hot topic. People wrote blog posts and shit about this, but the term exotic, and people have different 
definitions for this. What does exotic cannabis mean to you know to both of you guys? We we could start with Chad or Shane, whoever wants to kick it off. I mean, to me, exotic is something that I haven't seen before, like honestly. But I think a lot of a lot of the consumer and it's anything purple. If it's got purple in it, it's like it. and and honestly, that is an exotic to me because back in the day, we didn't get much purple. It was a lot of green green weed, maybe even some a lot of red hair weed, and you know, Urkel. like yeah, <laughs> the purple Urkel, you know. Um, but anything that I'm not used to on the flavor or like in our circle, it's like oh, we haven't tasted this before. It's, it's an exotic flavor. It's an exotic strain. If it has a different structure to it, um, color means a lot. I think out there. Um, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird term, you know, because exotic should be from a faraway land or something, but. Right. <laughs> right. What, what about you, Shane? What, what's exotic mean to you? I don't know. I, I think exotic to me is almost like that unicorn, you know, uh, in today's market, when what people are calling exotic, uh, it just seems to be flat to me where everything has to be purple and they're overlooking uh, the real qualities of uh, of good cannabis you know even if it's green they ignore it and they're not even paying attention to what it has to offer so i don't know the term in today's uh word of like exotic um it, it just seems a little flat i'm just gonna have to say that uh, in in it just it's like uh it just has to be purple or something with color mm-hmm. whereas in my mind it, i'd have to agree with chad it would have to be something unique something you haven't really seen before something that's not common um it's just probably that unicorn that uh you you don't really see uh quite often at all that that would be my you know definition of exotic not purple and then so at some, <laughs> yeah, at no, some point then once it gets played out to you it, it loses its it loses the terminology exotic it's just some regs now no, no not just, really a lot of fire purple i i mean you know, look back, going back on it, it is something that's just we haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, honestly, what may be exotic to us may not be exotic to you. It's just something that hasn't been in in, in, in our circle and we as a group haven't seen before. Uh, something is making it different than than the normal uh, weed that uh, we've been around all of our lives. And so what what kind of strain flavor profile do you envision being the next hype one? We were on the gelato train. We went to the runts train, which is a derivative derivative of gelato, doubling down on the cream and the gas. Yeah. Do you think we're going to stay in that lane for a while or do you think we're going to branch to the left or the right? It's a hard one, man. I, I, I'm, I'm an OG head. So like you give me anything with that gas flavor, I'm... Like, you know, that pooky taste, man, that's what I like. Uh, um, I, but I tell you what, I, I just smoked some stuff uh, uh, we, on a pheno hunt. It was a Cherry West strain, and it tasted just like cherry. And looks wasn't there. Um, I, um, I think a Y Yeast was the breeder, and it was it was beautiful. It tasted great, but the looks wasn't there. So uh, that was something unique to me. We are breeding with one of the males on it right now, so we'll yeah. see. We'll see how that comes out. But um, I. If it has great flavor that I haven't tasted before, then you know, then I'll I'll, I'll mess with it for sure. See see it see it through. Yep. Yeah, the yeah, the gelato craze. Were you I mean, obviously the gelato gas, you guys had one, but how how do you guys feel? You guys feel like you have to have a gelato in the lineup or you feel like you choose to just because of the, you know, it's something you guys enjoy that much. Uh, you know, I I, I I think it's what the consumers dictating right now, what, what the dispensaries are telling us, you know, if they're, 
if it's going and they're they're re, you know i can't speak for shane's part you know but i think that's the, the route it's going right now and so what shane. do you see shane as far as at the retail level do you feel like um the culture kind of moves in sync with these genetics and these waves or do you feel like the consumer or do you feel like the consumer is a little bit late to what's hot and really drives demand and that's why we're seeing some of these things kind of you know like gelato is definitely i love it but i feel like from a consumer standpoint we're already played out welcome, it, right? Right? Yeah. as the top dog I, I think the culture creates a lot of movement um like towards the recognition of these and then it like kind of catches on and creates that buzz um, and, and that's what I think is really special about the cannabis culture is because they look at these strains from like a connoisseur standpoint to create that hype and the recognition that these strains deserve. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I like to see everything kind of flourish and I could see uh, it's really hard to really forecast anything because this industry is so fast paced and, and wild. I, it's, it's hard to ever predict any type of like a uh, trend. So uh, I think I think with the uh, the varieties that we are constantly going through to make sure that we deliver, uh, I, I and what we've been working on in Chad and uh, Aaron over in our cultivation, uh, everything that we've been working on hard the past year is just now starting to showcase, and uh, we are definitely excited, and we feel like the brand is almost getting a reset with all these new strains that are kind of going to be coming to the market. Um, that's just creating it from seed with cross-pollination and everything. It's giving the brand like a whole new feel, like we're starting new and uh, we're excited about that. I'm an old, I'm an old school guy. So, you know, if it's something that I remember from back in the day, like I, I still like blue dream. I know that's like, nobody likes that, but you know, I still like <laughs> those dream, old school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the super silver haze. You know, it's the Jagger, like all that stuff, man. Like I, I'm like, brings me back. And I do feel there'll be a, a, a I think there'll be a rebound on that. I think people are still looking for him. It's just that was played out back in the day. So, but now, you know, I, I do, if, if it's a good one around, I, I want to smoke it. A good yeah. New York diesel or a good sour D is always nice. Yeah. yeah. Sour D, you know, like God, man, like you don't see them anymore, but when they're done, right. They're, they're killers. I still miss that real PK though. Oh, the PK. Yeah. 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 They're still searching. I, yeah. And I think, I think that's something too, with like kind of those more, you know, land raced or, or, you know, retro strains for a lack of a better word. Right. Like I think a lot of the, a lot of the people on the cutting floor, like even as you guys yourselves are kind of, you know, constantly following the, you know, the cycle of cannabis is searching for what's better, what's new, how can we improve on these genetics? And you see a lot of the guys that kind of put the more straightforward, easy genetics, you know, where seeds are super right. cheap are, are lower quality people. So when you see that Jack or that blue dream, it's usually some budget stuff that was just, mass produced right. you know there's there's right. not a lot of guys taking that craft approach to a, a a more boring strain to some person's eyes but i mean like we said if, if anything looks good smells good and is killing like the market's not going to turn it down yeah we used to have the cat piss back in the day you know it's like oh. where's that <laughs> yeah. i had a strain called the red puss i know i probably shouldn't be saying that but man that strain <laughs> hit it hit so good <laughs> yeah the skunk back in the day it's just yeah it's i yeah, yeah i i had 
I had some cat piss and a guy got an eighth off me, got his dorm room raided and got a charge for it uh, through the oh. campus. But he came bought back and bought a quarter, man. He was like, of course, so, so stoked that he's <laughs> like, this weed was so stinky. They raided my room over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was the homie. He didn't snitch. So shout out him, man. But uh, that's, that's that cat piss, man. So I, you know, I've talked to a couple people and tried to envision like, you know, where we go next. I know we're just kind of having that conversation flavor profile wise. And a couple people have brought up thinking that we'll go back to some of these old school strains, land races. Um, how do you guys feel about that? You feel like, like, like kind of to continue that conversation, you feel like it has a place and might potentially play a bigger role here in the future, or you think we're just gone off the deep end of new, 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 new. I, I, I love it. I, I want to please people. I want to, I want to grow what they want to smoke, you know? So if we go back uh, like I said, it brings me back to back in the day when I when I was didn't have much worries, you know. <laughs> now we have a, a lot of responsibility to do, so um, I, I personally welcome it. I'm with you, Chad. I agree, man. I would like to see those old strains make their comeback, and uh, it'd be awesome just to see like uh, all the different cultivators that are putting their best effort to to the quality, and then just comparing um, each person's craft with. Yeah. And that's just it. Right. I mean, you'd have somebody grow the, the OG and then you'd have somebody else and they, they almost were like two different strains right there. So it really does come down to craft at, at that, at that rate. Yeah. Which, which brings me to another question is like, you know, the process of a lot of people make this promise, but the craft at scale or taking craft to scale, growing craft at scale, you know, what's your guys' approach to be able to grow craft and connoisseur level cannabis? But obviously as a business, you're going to want to scale that to some regard, whether it's factory mega level production or at least just increasing canopy. I mean, it's it's something that you're obviously going to have to do as the brand grows. What are some of the the obstacles and like the process, that, you know, that's put forth into that? I'm, I mean, it's it's evolved so much, uh, but. When we're we're in our facilities, it's it's all about just keeping everything clean, running all of our numbers on point, having the labor to do what we need to do, uh, you know, because it, it's things can get away from you. So the consistency, being consistent. Uh, back in the day, you know, we we read labels on bottles and think to, it did what it did to the plants, but uh, now we know that was a bunch of marketing and uh, you know so having like this crew around me, having the resources that we have uh, to be able to hone my craft and hone everybody's craft, but like, you know, get the defoliation done, get the IPM done and and have the money for the right lights or the ACs and the DUEs and to dial in that environment. Um, you know, the sky's the limit at that point. It's it's definitely, it's, it's not a cheap endeavor um, and it's not an easy endeavor. And you know, some people think growing cannabis is easy and it's, it's not at this level and it, it takes a lot of manpower and, and a lot of thinking, you know, a lot of troubleshooting because every day something hits you and you're like, oh, where did this come from? And you got to pivot and you got to make the right decision. Um, and you know, so it, I love it because I'm always up for a challenge. I'm always up to, to, to network with fellow cultivators and figure things out because, uh, you know, like, uh, Recently, like the hop latent thing, everybody's talking about. I mean, it's real. That stuff's real. That's that's out everywhere, um, even from tissue culture. And it's coming down. And you got to learn how to mitigate it. Mm. And, uh, you know, so growing on a big level is 
Curing's you know, huge. Curing's, curing's huge. You, you curing, could grow all curing, you, oh. you could have all of that going on. And I think people are always so in such in a rush for it to hit the market. Curing is everything, man. Like right. if you're not curing in the right uh in the room temperatures and dehue and, and everything, and then you package it accordingly. I mean, the terpene profiles that come off a nicely cured uh, harvest, man, is like, there's no need to rush a good thing. Curing's, mm. curing's key. I mean, from, from seed, you know, when we get a seed in, we have a process of cleaning that seed all the way through veg, flour, drying, curing, packaging. Um, it's all quality control. It's crazy the way how far we've come. Uh, people that walk through these facilities, they, back in the day, there was, there was like, it was really, really crap. And it is still really, really crap, but there's just so much structure there now to ensure that the product comes out as, as good as it can, as least handled and as, and as clean as, as good as it can. And so where you're at in the process now, do you feel it's as easy as like copy and pasting or doubling square no. footage following the same SOPs or is it just a whole new beast? Every Man, room, every, every facility we build, everything is, it, it all have its own life. Honestly, everywhere you're at, it's, 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 you got to feel the facility. You got to feel what the conditions are, the micro climates. Uh, it, it's just all different. It would be so easy to just uh, cookie cutter stuff, but it, it's not like that. To get it set up is one thing. To it's a, just to find to, a, to a point, it. it's like that. But it's when it really comes to dialing in, it, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. No. Abs. Absolutely. And that's that's the. Is that create issues where you guys try and grow the same strain at multiple facilities? Do you end up allocating specific facilities to specific strains, or do you are you guys comfortable taking it, or, or is it too much of a process to kind of get the consistency across places? And, and you you nailed it right there. We will grow certain strains at certain facilities because they seem to do better. They like the climate. They like maybe the light intensity, and and we'll try to dial it in as be as consistent as possible. And some strains do run through multiple facilities and and come out super consistent. But some strains some love being you know, like, in certain rooms. Yeah, I mean we have a uh, you know at one of our facilities we have a couple smaller rooms, so we're able to just dial that room in mm. for a specific strain that is finicky. Um, you know, but other strains can commingle in, in the same room. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel like the state of California cannabis pricing is at this current moment? You know, again, coming from up here in the Pacific Northwest, I feel like we have very affordable pricing. You know, people might up here might complain, but you travel a little bit, you'll be thankful for it. How do you guys feel? I mean, I know it's not out, it's outside of your guys' control because retailers got to market up crazy. And then, you know, almost half taxes, of bro. Taxes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the BCC <laughs> and the taxes that are implemented, it's so, it's such bullshit. And um, I just feel like there's a lot of corruption and unfairness and just capitalism on something that they see as like a, 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 a fixer or a, an outlet for financial gains for their problems. When we're sitting here busting our ass, we just feel like we're getting robbed all the time. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that that changes for the benefit of the whole cannabis uh, community and culture. Uh, the taxes that are implemented are extremely unfair. And uh, a lot of the consumers just want to point fingers at retails or the brands. And that's definitely not where mm -hmm. any of the high prices are coming from. I, I will always value the craft of cannabis, I highly disagree with the taxes. 
Yeah. You know, in, in the cultivation, there's a lot of practices we, we follow. I mean, I think we're one of the most regulated crops on earth. So there's a lot of practices we follow that not is not necessarily due to the craft. You know, we have to do this track and trace thing. We have to, uh, for our waste and all this other stuff, you know, it's, it, it definitely takes money to do that. So it, it, the consumer feels it. Um, you know, if, if a lot of that, those regulations were lifted off of us, it, it'd be a lot better. You know, it'd be a, the consumer would see the price drop, but now they're just everywhere along the way, you know, they're, they're kind of disconnected from what's inside a cultivation of what we do and they'll put stuff on us and we have to follow it. I mean, we follow everything by the book. I welcome anybody to walk through and, and check out the facility because, I mean, we're by the book on all that stuff. Uh, but it does take a lot to be by the book. It does take a lot of resources to be by the book. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, hit on the head. It does take a lot of resources to operate in legal cannabis and the, the lack of tax incentives, how cash heavy you have to be for everything, the upcharges oh. or the cannabis tax on services, HVACs, all that, you know, it all it all comes with it. Um and it's funny, you know, they, they, they talk about, I think it's to say like 80% of the cannabis sold in California is still like black market transactions. Right. And just in my mind, I keep having this, this, this thought, this conversation publicly is that they lower the tax prices. Cannabis is the pricing is more on par with the, the black market. Yeah. They're going to choose the rec, rec market due to access, accessibility and convenience and selection almost every time. And you're going to have less, Taxes per transaction, but far more transactions. I agree with you. Don't lose the money, you know. More affordable, you're going to go be sourcing it more often. And and this is the thing, you know. This is the biggest thing I think in the legal market. You know what you're smoking. You're not smoking anything that's been sprayed. All of our stuff goes through such a rigorous process. I mean, people wear scrubs in the facility when they're growing weed. So like, you know, you're not. It's just really, really clean, clean stuff. So. I mean, back in the day, you don't know. I mean, I smoked this stuff back in the day, but you don't know what you were smoking back in the day. <laughs> Lots of phosphor load. <laughs> oh, man, I used to get brick weed and, you know, you'd find stuff in it. Like, so. Right. And that's, you know, a couple of my friends that are cultivators said that, you know, echoed that where they're like back in the day when we grew, um, we didn't know what we were spraying on it. You spray something to kill oh. the bugs and make the nugs hella fat. That's all, you know, you did it because someone else did it. And you're like, no, did it. Make yeah. it better. You don't have, you didn't have that education or that, you know, mainstream level of communication to find out, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing that right. on something we're going right. to combust and inhale. Um, what is, what are, what's your guys' approach to, you know, generating clean care? I know you, you mentioned having a clean facility. What, what, what's kind of the approach to making sure you're growing in a clean environment and the end product is, is clean. I mean, our, our focus over there is plant health. So we try to get the plant as healthy as it can and use biologicals instead of uh, maybe like oils and, and other pesticides. But every pesticide we use has to be crossed through the Department of Ag. We usually send them a label. And if it's like rosemary or thyme oil, you know, or, or mineral oil or whatever, what have you, it has to go through that process first to make sure it's okay for, for the consumer. But I mean, the least I can spray, the better. So we do use a lot of uh, predatory insects. Uh, we use nematodes. We use uh, beneficial bacteria, beneficial fungi, uh, sterilizing agents. Um, you know, uh, the more that we can not mess with the plant, mess with the flower, the better. So, uh, and that's our regimen. You know, it, it, it's usually it's usually reactive if there's something in the facility because stuff will come in. It comes in on people. You know, like it's it's hard to keep 100% clean facility. So 
if you see something, you need to react real quick. You need to make sure it doesn't spread, and and then just kind of treat that area uh, or, or take that plant out of the out of the area. But um, with our IPM right now, with the biologicals we're using in the predatory bugs, knock on wood, we've been pretty good. So. Yeah, like, like you said, it's a constant process, you know, people, and I don't think consumers understand that. Like you said, like, you know, these, I don't know if you call it a virus, honestly, but viruses or, or these diseases, these plant diseases start spreading and they come from nowhere. And even when you have a completely isolated, sealed facility somewhere, it can still pick up those tiniest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we test our incoming water, you know, and down here in L.A., I tested incoming water and I saw fusarium in the incoming water. You have to sterilize that before it gets to the plants. You know, so we we try to be proactive on everything, you know, even around the facility, looking at what's kind of growing around the facility. You, you got to be as clean as your it's the perfect environment for something bad to come in, you know, but. Luckily, we have a lot of scouts. We have a lot of people looking at the plants. Eyes are on them all the time. Um, but something will happen. Something will pop up, and we'll have to react and, and hopefully make the right decision and, and uh, you know, mitigate the problems. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's a never-ending progress of refining. Never-ending. Absolutely. It's part of the fun. It's part of the fun, man. Never a dull moment. And so, you know, with that, Shane, you alluded to that you guys are, you know, you feel like you're kind of coming out with a rebrand with these new lists of strains. So when is that going to, when are those going to start dropping for the people? Have they already started dropping and kind of what, what's in store that you can let, you know, let loose? Some of it might stay tight lipped. So I think it's a slow roll right now as we've done these micro batches. So we'll, we'll put these micro batches out uh, based on, uh, you know, yield, and then we'll package that up. We'll hit it to the market. We'll see what the feedback is as we're prepping everything. And then as we're prepping those plants to, after, and we're getting feedback and we feel like we're on to something due to the, the positive or negative or how it takes uh, with the partnering retails that we have, then we'll start laying down heavier rows and we'll project uh, what's ahead. Um, right now we have what, Chad, the Gadzooks and um the ajo blanco we have the la rouge um we have the afogado i mean the <laughs> list goes on and on right now and that's just a couple yeah, they keep me busy out. man <laughs> you know, <laughs> we have a lot and, and i think that's what's really exciting is just, uh that sense of newness and and that excitement and i think when we just went through roughly shit chad i don't know what was it like 25 strains recently from just real small micro batches yep. they were so difficult to choose what mm. we want to put in full production and i think that's the excitement level that we're on right now is knowing that we just had this this you know 25 micro batches and it was tough to make a decision on what we mm. want to put in full production so um you know it's it's an exciting time for us and i feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface um and uh, I don't know, we have such a great team and, and uh, it's just great to see everyone shine in, in each department to, you know, make this whole thing come together. Yeah, talk, talking about exotic strains, man, all of them got exotic foreign sounding names on those guys, man. <laughs> yeah, we've got, I don't, uh, I don't know, They man. don't use my names on this stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, really, we really just pay attention to like terpene profiles and yeah. how relative they are to the plant and, and uh, what those terpenes have to offer. I, I feel like, the industry is a little backwards right now, just focusing on THC percentage. Mm. Um, you know, I, I feel like uh, it's um, it's a it's a phase right now, and, and I think people are becoming more educated 
and uh, more aware of like more of the purpose of the plants, you know, versus like this THC thing. And, and, uh, and I like that the audience and, uh, you know, the patients and, and customers are paying attention to those details. Mm. Um, it gives, it just, it just adds to the quality of the craft. Absolutely. And that's, you know, as bad as it is, right. Cause even like, again, as a consumer, I'm not a cultivator, but I've been to enough to enough facilities and, you know, got enough information that I, that I, I know, T, you know, THC doesn't matter. And it's not as bad on the West coast, but I was just on the East coast for the first time. And like every dispenser I went to is what's, what's the most fire, you know, what's the best weed you have. And they're like, well, I've organized this list by THC percentage. Right. And I'm just like, oh my God, please give me someone else to talk to. It's unfortunate. It could be pretty simple, man. I, I think you guys nailed it earlier. It's just the nose knows. You know, yeah, there, yeah. There, there's just there's just that thing where you just the nose knows and you smell it. And uh, I think you kind of know what you're into based on that. And, and uh, you know, I just really look forward to this uh, industry maturing and the direction it's going and uh, all the other properties of these unique strains, you know, being appreciated. Yeah. So what, what is, what to you guys, what does THC m mean beyond just consumer demand? Yeah, I, I think it does mean a little bit, you know, honestly, like when you're smoking something that's super low THC, sometimes you might not feel much, you know, you, the, the high is definitely a big part of it uh, for me at least. Um, but I think it's overemphasized. I, I do think uh, in the, in the, low 20s you'll go, you're gonna find a fire string even yeah. maybe in the the 15 to 20 even range. in the teens yeah, yeah mm -hmm. even in the teens you're gonna find a fire strain and i think just a lot of people are turned off that anything under 22 they're like well it's, yeah. it's not gonna be good um i do hope that that changes i do hope that that changes but it seems like uh it's dictating the market right now um but uh it's really probably just education and then just uh, people trying stuff, you know, and and maybe word of mouth of like, hey, don't look at just THC percentage, but, you know, try Maven, try this strain, you know. Um, right now, all of our stuffs are hit high THC because that's kind of where the market's been going. Um, but through the breeding program, maybe something will change our mind on a lot of this stuff and, and it will go through. And with our breeding, see, the thing too about that is, we would have so many more strains right now to add to our menu if the market wasn't so focused on, you know, 28 and above. Uh, we have tons of beautiful strains coming in at like 23, 24. And unfortunately, yeah. we have to white, we have to sell those to white label brands because the market doesn't really, ex I mean, we're not going to put that in our product because we or in our packaging because we understand that it may cause a hiccup. Sure. Uh, movement so unfortunately man our menu would be so solid um the other blessing besides that is all the new strains that we've been putting out and the results coming from seed have kind of balanced things out to where we're getting an increase in thc percentage yeah. um it's just unfortunate that all the ones we could have to offer are being overlooked due to th to the percentage so yeah. we we are breeding for high thc percentage along with taste and everything else you know it has to hit all the marks right now it, it, it's tough um, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes as more people become educated about it as, as more strains come out and they, you know, hopefully it changes a little bit on that. Um, oh, hopefully people are more focused on all the cannabinoids and all the terpenes, you know, hopefully that, that education comes, uh, we've been talking about it deeply in our circle about, 
about how people are classifying hybrids, sativas and indicas and looking more at like a scientific COA on the terpene levels, on the cannabinoid levels and trying to trying to curate that way. But it, it, it's tough, man. It's like people kind of, they, they know more on the sativa mm-hmm. hybrid indica. Like that's, oh, I only like indicas. Well, maybe you don't. Right. You, know? maybe, you maybe like maybe the terpene don't. profiles. Of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Right, right. No, absolutely. And, that, you know, I, I agree. I think there's there's that disconnect where people are in this industry or really in the know, have this understanding and the consumer clearly does. You know, there's a gap, which is, is it's not surprising just how new the industry, the education and the communication of said education is. Um, but and I think the sativa indica hybrid makes it easy, you know, it dumbs it down. It does. Simple. Some people get so offended, like, oh, it's not that it's not the real. And you're like, man, it just communicate that fucking college speak to everybody else. They're not going to get it, you know, but I, what, what do you, what's the approach if you have a strain that's not, I mean, you, you just let me know. It doesn't get, make it in the jar, you know, the Maven jar, if it's not hitting a certain THC level, if you find something you like Chad is in, then is it a quest to bring the THC percentage up in that? Or sometimes do you know, right away, this is not going to get to 30 and maintain what I like about it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely voice my opinion on what I like. Yeah. <laughs> so, but That's I'm like one of those battles with cultivation. And, yeah. And None the- of us are the final say. Honestly, it's a team effort all the way around. So yeah. it's, uh, I think everything hits a little different for some, most people. So, um, but the quest to make the quality the best on a strain is always there. Um, so, you know, if, if we didn't hit, quite if something we love and we didn't quite hit the levels we'll definitely keep running it and see if it's an environmental if it's a nutrient that we can try to boost these levels or even uh, a length of time uh you know that's cold ever needs to be be grown out so uh we we don't just let go of strains that's our problem right now we kind of pack rat this stuff man (laughs) to see what it does oh man (laughs) we have so many that we think bro like uh it's it's too many so I wish we had more room to just bank a bunch of stuff, but maybe with the tissue culture lab, we'll be able to to really bank strains for a long time. Yeah, keep get the li- the library running. That was going to be my other thing is like how long, you know, clearly you're trying to hold on to these strains for as long as you can. Do you feel like sometimes they just end up, you know, as seeds and you're not, you're not continuing the, the to clone them and keep them in the library? Uh, well, the winners always stay in the library, no matter what. They'll be off to the side, even if they're not getting produced for production. Um, so not we haven't, you know, on the breeding program, we are keeping seeds from everything we pop just to have stuff along. Um, I think once we find a cultivar we want to keep, it's it's with us. We're, mm. we're not going to give it up. Um, yeah, and that's probably to the, Well, we have yeah. a nursery coming up soon, too. So we have the property up in Santa Barbara that we're currently working with and getting it fine-tuned and i think the the beautiful thing about that is uh the expansion and the uh capability to hold on to these strains at the nursery is going to be awesome that's that's i mean that's the progression right there to, to get the library just as deep as possible and and yep. continue to refine um Man, you know, we're, we're about at an hour what I like to keep these at. So I would like to just open the floor. Is there anything else you guys would like the people to know about Maven Genetics? Or, you know, we kind of we gave them the, the small batches getting refined and coming. Is there anything else you'd like the people to know? 
And I would say about about all the team I work with, they're all professional growers, man. We've all been doing it for a long time. I mean, I've been doing it since, I don't know, 95, dude, like in my backyard in high school. You know, we've all been doing this for so long. Love the plant. Um, it, it's, it's our life, really, you know, like it's, it's kind of like uh, something that we just, I mean, I'm a chef too. I just want to please people. I want to be able to grow the best, best stuff for you guys. You know, like uh, it's, we put a lot of heart into it uh, and, and, and work and love into it, man. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I think the best part about our whole team at Maven Genetics is uh, everyone just contributes to the overall uh, presentation and delivery of what we truly believe that the cannabis culture deserves as far as quality and we're never uh, going to really like uh, overlook that. We're never going to be those guys just to keep growing on a, a, a large scale. Um, you know, Chad and Aaron Batesh and my partner, Mike, Dave, like Miguel, like just our whole family is so involved and enthusiast. And just we really do have a passion for this plant. And it's just done so much for um, just so many reasons. And uh we're very fortunate to have the team that we have to make this all come together. Yeah, I wanted to let you guys know I'm not one of those Chads, you know, and Chad's a bad <laughs> word nowadays. I didn't come from money, guys. I, shit, you know. You're Chad the dad. You're not Chad the we dad. didn't have money. I went to public school. You know, I grew in my garage. Like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not you, one of those Chads. Do you though. own boat shoes, though? I got it. Do you own a pair? Do I of own boat? what? You own a pair of boat shoes, though. I do not own a boat show, boat <laughs> shoes. I wear socks. You know, <laughs> I wear dad socks, you know, so like I just I want to break that stigma right now. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I wasn't even thinking it. All right. I didn't it didn't even come to my mind while talking. Yeah, this, to you, it's right? going around. Yeah. dude. Every time it's, I see it's, him, it's like the dads of the industry. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, really? <laughs> Why did my mom got to name me this? You know, <laughs> it's just nice to be uh, looked at as like a like a legacy brand. You know, people that have. uh really put a lot of risk to uh, pave the road uh, mm-hmm. and and allow that voice to be heard for everybody that wanted to get in or wants to get into the industry. Uh, we dodged a lot of bullets and really stood our ground. I still, I still watch my back when I leave the facility. I still look yeah, yeah. driving behind me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we went through a lot to get here and, and uh, we look forward to everything ahead um, and, and just uh, work with great people and continue to put out yeah. good quality products. That's fire, man. Well, I appreciate you guys joining us, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely glad we got to speak to the to the guys behind what won our the best we best flower that we found on the West Coast um, last year. Um, and I look forward to taking you up on the invite to check out some Come R&D, man. because it's not just us, bro. It's the whole team. None of us. It's not, you know, there's it, it takes the, it takes a whole tribe, bro. Like, it's you know, everybody there is working hard. So it, it's a culture. For sure. Open door policy for you guys. Yep. Come through, man. Love to show Thanks you. Thanks so much. Respect my region. We really appreciate you guys, all the support, and uh, giving us the opportunity to have a voice with you. Hell yeah. Thank you. The North American Weed Tour podcast, episode 36 with Maven Genetics. Thank